everyone, and welcome to the Digital Marketeer. I'm your host, Stephanie Beach. And today I have Michelle Arison, owner and principal of Physics at Work and host of the podcast, True Stories at Work. Welcome and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So can you elaborate a little bit more on um, what Physics at Work is and what your podcast is? Thanks. Uh, What Physics at Work does is HR strategy and culture. So culture is sort of this ephemeral thing. You can't really see it, but you can feel it. And it's in the moment. So it's almost like brand, if I was going to put it in marketing perspective. Um, But it has to be continually created and communicated uh, and lived in the employee experience. So I work with companies uh, to help them build cultures, mostly aligning their business strategy to their company values. You know, the placard on the wall that everybody walks by. Maybe they need to be refreshed. Maybe they need to be blown up and started again but um, helping them to understand how every HR touchpoint uh, needs to align to what they're, what they're aspiring to be. So that's, that's my fun. story. And what mm-hmm. kind of businesses are you working with? I work with all kinds of businesses right now. I probably need to niche down pretty significantly, but I would say I pick my customers based on how I feel that they are in terms of seeing the value of having their people, you know, prioritizing their people, I guess I would say. And it's funny because customers show up in different ways. I got a recently, I got a proposal from a nonprofit and it's not the kind of work that I like to do. They were asking for somebody to help them with their handbook. They were helping somebody to help them with their policies, very tactical things and stuff that after so many years in HR, I I know I have to do it with companies, but it's not a project I would take. But there was something about, one of my friends had introduced me to this woman and said, you will 1000% love working with her. So I got on the call and I asked her, you know, this is a very tactical project. Like, what are you really trying to do here? Is there any culture work here? And she was so vulnerable and said, you know, I don't even know what I don't know. You're right at our values, but I didn't think about how that revision of the handbook is going to need to align to the values that we are trying to establish. And so I did take the work because it's fun, you know, so I work with nonprofits. I work with companies that are willing to take a look at themselves and um, that really care about creating good places for uh, for humans to work. That's nice. Um, And it must give you exposure to so many different businesses and business models and understanding what works and what doesn't work, as well as being an entrepreneur and and having your own company. It must give a really interesting perspective on how you want to conduct yourself and, and what's needed to really kind of get started and get going. I also learn a lot about myself. Mm. I think we go through life thinking we understand what we like and don't like. And I got a project to work with a 3D printing manufacturer, which I didn't think was in my schema of what I would enjoy. Probably one of the best companies I've ever met. Like the leaders were incredible. The teams were incredible. I got to 
I got to help some really smart people, engineers, all the things that you kind of think, oh, my dad was an engineer for real. And I think, <laughs> oh, I know, I know what engineers are like, but it, it's just so great to partner with companies and then realize how incredible they are even when you think it might be boring, like 3D printing, manufacturing might not be your thing. So I, I definitely grow when I'm working with all of these uh, companies, learning what they do and, and, and partnering with them. And tell us a little bit about your, your podcast, um, True Stories at Work. Um, I know we are looking to do a follow-up and kind of talk about some of these stories, but I love this concept and I feel like it takes HR and things that happen at work to a whole new level. While some of these are totally off the wall, I would say, um, I do think it's really fun and uh, an interesting take on stories at work, but can you give us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, first of all, I will say I never had aspirations of starting a podcast. I worked in HR for over 20 years and the best, the thing I loved about my job are the stories. I just thought I can't make this up. Like every day there was a new delight that came through my doors that, that we got to experience. And so some of them were great and they're heartwarming and you just think like, oh my God, I'm so glad I can, I can help this in this way and then some of them are just shocking and you're thinking why are people doing this at work i mean yes. i can't even tell you uh, just the scope the wide range of of stories that you get coming your way so so i wanted to write a book my goal was oh my gosh someday i'm going to write a book where i'm going to put all of my stories in there i somehow decided a podcast is better than a book because i can get other people's stories like I know my stories, they're not nearly as fun for me as hearing somebody else's great stories. And every HR person has great stories because of the nature of the work that we do. Typically, we can't share them. Typically, HR can be very isolating. And so I enjoy the opportunity to share stories. And I've gotten really interesting feedback from listeners or people who uh, work in HR that say like, I never thought I handled it like that, but I like how that person handled it. So it, it's a little bit educational and a little bit entertainment. Definitely. And um, that's the best part of it, you know, uh, and what I find to be truly entertaining. So I, I definitely advise all of our listeners to go and check it out. And so, you know, what we're looking to talk about today is kind of, you know, entrepreneurship. You don't know what you, you what you don't know when you're starting your own business, um, working with small businesses and large businesses and, and kind of taking some of those learnings and really honing in on how to start a business, when to start a business or when to start a podcast or just how to kind of start your own brand and market yourself to really get out there and, and do what you really love and start making your goals and dreams come true. So I'd love to kind of get your experience and why you're so passionate about this topic coming from hr it does seem like a natural segue into entrepreneurship but i think that you also have so much more value and and lessons and tidbits that some of the average person doesn't have that could be very valuable to entrepreneurs like myself and other small um, businesses trying to get off the ground i don't even know where to start with that question <laughs> stephanie so ask me ask me a, a question 
Where do you want me to start? That's awesome. So I There's guess, a lot you know, in there. <laughs> what what brought you on to this path? Um, I guess that's like the best way to kind of get into all of that. What taking your experience and taking, you know, things from HR and mm-hmm. and looking to help other companies, I think is very fascinating. So what made you take that path? And how are you taking those lessons and implementing and then into what you're doing with other companies? Okay. I love that. I, so I would say that I think your career is like the, the greatest story you get to write yourself. When I was graduating from college, I was studying something totally different. I was getting a master's in public health you know, really trying to figure out what I wanted to do and how I wanted to contribute in life. Somewhere even way back then, when I was getting my master's in public health, I took a business class and it just like lit me up. I had never taken a business class in my whole life. I had been working in HR and somehow I took an entrepreneurship class in that same MBA program and just thought, Someday I'm going to open my own business. And the weirdest, most nerdy goal that I've not admitted publicly, I always wanted to have my own payroll. That was going to be like my level of success, which is embarrassing. But anyway, so, you know, I had these weird aspirations of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. I had a master's in business with a focus on entrepreneurship. And I worked at a company for over 20 years. But what that company let me do I guess they would call it intrapreneurship now. There's a word for it. They talk about creating, you know, business opportunities and just really shaping things about about a company. And they let me do that in HR in a way that made no sense business-wise. <laughs> I would say to my to the CEO, I remember I was doing this big values fair. I had just taken over customer experience. And, and that's really where I got good at culture because I was in charge of 50% of the manager bonus based on safety. It was a hospital, financial, obviously. And then it was in, uh, employee experience and customer experience. And those two became mine. And all of a sudden, people are like expecting me to be able to and, and guess what? The the goals, the KPIs never, you know, went down. They always went up, <laughs> went up, up. And you yeah. have to be able to nudge these numbers in really meaningful ways uh, year after year. And so that's where I really uh, figured out the culture stuff. But they let me do things that were unproven, that were experimental, that cost money. And um, as long as I was delivering my numbers, they didn't care. So they let me and my team sort of work in a way that was a little bit of an incubator meets uh, a hospital meets culture and experience. So it was it was it was fun. So uh, doing that really helped me to think already a little bit like an entrepreneur and how you're going to want to impact and measure uh, almost everything you do. So uh, when I my father got sick in the uh, right before I quit my job. I had quit my job a couple of times. I first of all quit my job. I wrote I wrote this letter to my boss, the CEO, and it like I cried while I was typing it, but like I, I really needed to take time off to be with uh to support my family. And he my boss didn't read. I didn't even know he knew how to read. He sat in front of me and read that whole letter. And it took a long time. And I was just sitting there uncomfortable. And the long and short is he slid the letter back to me and he goes, 
you don't need to quit. You can just work when you want. Like, we'll work it out. You can take an FMLA. Wow. Like, don't, don't quit your job. So I tried to quit again. And he said, why don't you just work three days a week? And I'm like, okay. So finally I quit my job. That's when I really started my own business. I traveled for a year. I helped my dad and then uh, got locked in my house during the pandemic and had nothing to do. So decided to go through all the checklists of things on my bucket list, like becoming a women's certified business and opening my bank business bank account and, and trying to get customers and, and things like that. So really the pandemic hurt me, but also uh, uh, helped me to make the right choice for myself. That's great. And I love, you know, taking something bad and finding good in it, right? And it was amazing that you were able to be as persistent as you were. A, it was nice, you know, and for your boss to be flexible and be like, hey, I know it's a rough time. Don't quit your job. But knowing that that's really what you needed in the end, I think is really telling as well, because sometimes we ignore those feelings and, and take that time for granted. So what has your experience been working with other business owners and entrepreneurs? And how are you facilitating that into advising other business owners mm -hmm. and, you know, directing your own business and, and how to start a business? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think the starting the business part is easy. I think you can fill out a form online, you can, you know, set up your business bank account, like the, the tactics are easy, the, the, the challenge is really being clear on your own uh, trajectory, I think for, for the services that you want to offer. So when I partner with, uh, it's been a journey, I guess, let me start over, I'll just say this, it's been a journey. I started out just doing very tactical things with businesses where I was supporting their leadership coaching, where I was offering training. You know, I mentioned I started this business in the pandemic. And at that point, I was also thinking maybe I would get back into HR. Like it seemed like they really needed good leaders at that time. But I called three people. I called a woman who I had met at a conference. She gave me a list of things that the world needed right now in terms of HR support. And I said, I really don't wanna do any of that work. And she said, well, what kind of work do you wanna do? And I said, I want to help leaders who may or may not have great EQ figure out how to be better virtual leaders because now that everybody's on Zoom, hmm. those two things are aligning. And she said, well, I'll buy that. And I said, well, what will you buy? And I literally typed up notes from our call and that was my first customer. So. I guess what I would say is when I started, I was providing leaders with more of the tactics. Now I'm doing more of like the strategy, the next level up, which the tactics are supporting. So it's an evolution and not all customers want to do strategy. They, they might just want to do EQ or they might just want to do a handbook and I might or might not be the right partner for them. So really figuring out how to match my uh, my skills with what they need is is what I try to help them with because I might not be the right partner. And yeah. I'll, I'll help them find somebody who is a better fit. That's nice. And I always feel that honesty is is really great when working with businesses um, and companies. And, you know, maybe you can't support them in something, but here's somebody that does. And that builds even a stronger partnership and relationship, I feel. So mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you found were necessary marketing items, uh, things that we should know as, you know, starting a business, 
growing a business and trying to get things to move forward? Marketing is hard for me. It's like culture, but in a skill set that I don't have. So you're trying to convey your your purpose, your voice, all of these really kind of loose concepts to the world so that they know the services that you provide. So I'm not good at that. Like this is this has been my struggle. And if you look at my website, you would agree. Not my my um, podcast website is a little better than my other website, but um, but I think it's it's hard because for a small business owner, you have to be clear on who you are and what you are and what your voice is and how is that how is that sent out into the world. And so finding a partner that you trust is is hard. Like, I don't think Fiverr is the answer or some of those sort of short term mm. things. I do think you need to find somebody who has some expertise uh, that can guide you. But I really want to know like that what your answer to that question is like, how does somebody like, I know the assets that are important to answer your question are like your logo and your website and your voice and, and all of those things. But like, how do you suggest people get started on that, on that journey? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it's a great question. And from my own experience, I've only had the one experience um, someone once said to me, like, don't get up, caught up in some of the small things like company name was like a big thing and and wanting to find a very clever, catchy name. Um, but every time I, I thought of something, the URL was taken or it cost so much money. And so it was kind of like, OK, let's just simplify this and move on from it. And so, yes, like you said, having a logo, having a website, you know, all of that is important, but I also feel like really understanding what what your offering is and what you're providing to your customers. I do think customer development is also really important, but I also feel like that's an evolution and it it keeps it keeps evolving as your business grows and evolves. But it's still good to have a core of this is what we're providing. This is what our solution is. And these are the people that we're looking to help. And then it kind of makes it a little bit easier to go out and find those people and execute those people. And then I think, you know, messaging and all of that kind of comes after and figuring out, you know, what do I need to know about these people and what is my messaging to them? So looking at it from more of a, a business perspective, from my my view, as opposed to, you know, marketing and HR, it kind of goes hand in hand, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit more, I guess, tactical with a mix of strategy, if, if you think about it, because you need to figure out all of these different moving pieces to kind of get the exact pinpoint of where to go and what to do. Yeah. And I like what you said. It is an evolution. Like it's a journey. It's not ever done. And that's some of the painful part too. That's why, you know, yeah. And differentiating yourself. And as you evolve your business, you have to continually redefine all of these, all of these small things, which are probably big things because they're what your, what your public persona, so to speak, is what people are thinking of you when they, when they click on your site. Agree. And a lot of it is kind of like, learn as you go, you know, and I know that I look to people who've done this before and and mentors and, you know, other business owners and groups that I belong to and, and networking and things like that for, you know, have you experienced this or 
how did you handle that something like this just to get different perspectives because sometimes you're so close to it you become laser focused and that's all that you really see and then you're talking to somebody and they say something and you're just like oh my goodness I didn't even think about it like that and it would have done so much easier or been so much faster so I do always try to talk to people and like you said be vulnerable in some aspects to be able to say, this is what's happening. Are you seeing the same thing? Or how did you deal with this? I feel like a lot of times people are open to sharing, but sometimes, you know, I feel like it's hard to articulate. Mm -hmm. And measuring it is really hard. I love to measure things, but Mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing with with even my podcast, I have no idea. Like I get more, <laughs> I like, I'm just watching trends right now. Like it's going in the right direction. So I'm really happy, but, uh, and I get a lot of downloads and I get positive feedback. The The measure that I'm using right now for the show, the only measure I'm legitimately tracking, I have a survey that I send to every single customer who I interview on my show, every single, whatever, interviewee. And it's like, eight questions and it's like how did you feel on a scale of one to ten when you listen to your show what's one word that you would use to describe your show would you recommend somebody to be on the show if so who because it's a great recruiting source for me yeah what else i mean it's just like a really short survey you know what can i do to improve your experience on the show and that's the one i care about because i take their story and i chop it up and I create a new story in it about them. And I want them to, at a deep, deep level, I want them to like it. I really do. I'm so proud of them. And I just would feel crushed if they were embarrassed or ashamed of, of what was out there about them. Um, so that's the only metric I have right now for my podcast. And um, yeah, but measuring marketing is hard was my point, you know. It is very hard, especially, you know, if your goal is something like leads or new business, I think, you know, it's very easy to say, okay, this is worth it if I get X amount of clients, but the timeline to get those clients could vary depending on what their need is, what their budget is, you know, how their hierarchy internally works as well. What are some of the essentials that you find business owners kind of need in order to establish a good culture and a sense of who they are to their customers? I would say this is probably, I don't know everything about it, but I might liken it to integrated marketing, right? You need to collect a very wide net. I would say to get started, uh, there would be interviews, right? There would be interviews with the leaders, there would be focus groups, there would be lots of different um, data points that I would want to collect on how how the culture is doing. Do employees know what the co- company values are? There's a great place to start. I mean, what's the turnover? Like some of it is tactical business numbers and some of it is employee engagement and sentiment analysis, probably similar to things that that you have had experience with. Um, and then it's really just driving a plan. What 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 matters, right? What are we trying to f- fix? Is it turnover? Is it is it attracting more diverse candidates to your recruitment pool? I mean, there could be a thousand different variables that we're looking at solving. So really what, and and where I like to start is what are the company business goals? Like, what are you trying to do as a business? 
And then how can we develop a strategy that you can track and measure a people strategy to help you get there. So it's kind of simple, but it, it starts back with their current data on their employees and their goals for the company. In your experience too, like I guess what are some of the biggest challenges that you find business owners are facing? And what is your advice to some of that? I think business owners currently, it's a, a, a war for talent. I think that is a mm. very difficult situation. The world is shifting and, well, it has shifted and we're not sure where it's going from here, but companies that were virtual are clawing back some of their virtual work policies. They're, they're, lots of work for anywheres are work from some of these wares, right? You can now work from six states versus anywhere in the world. So um, I think that is tough. It's definitely a, a tough market for talent. I think a lot of companies, smaller companies, growing companies need to build in processes. And I think that sometimes they do that without care for the values. So they just pull a handbook from online, a sample, mm. and it's maybe a perfectly good handbook and it is no diss, I would do that too. But what are the rules that you really wanna operate under? What, if you want to have creative employees, if you're a startup and you want people to um, be able to fail, you know, do you wanna put a whole bunch of rules around things that, that you don't need rules around? So I would say really, it. it kind of is like the, the figuring out your own marketing plan, right? Like what, who do you want to be and then build, uh, build a process around it? I think a lot of smaller businesses beg, borrow and steal. Maybe they use ChatGPT. It's all not bad, but it isn't going to drive uh, a people strategy that, that is intentional. And, you know, reaching out to these small business owners, what would be, you know, one piece of advice encouraging, you know, I hear from a lot of people that this year has been very weird and it's been slow. And, you know, sometimes building culture virtually or trying to change a culture to get people back into work can also be very hard or can maybe change some of the values or, or need to amend some of their values. So what is some of your advice on, you know, embracing the change and, and working? Like we just talked about having your business evolve, which seems to be a very important thing, but that could be scary for people, you know? So yeah. how do you work people? How do you work with people through that? I think what I try to do when I start with a client is understand where they think they're at and then try to pressure test that. Like we say these are our values. Do employees agree with that? If you value, if you say you value transparency, but you're not sharing information, if one of your values is, is not aligned with the reality of your company, that's a really good place to start. So there's a lot of ways to do it. You know, you could give everybody post-it notes. You could have a big wall. You could have them sometime during the day, write down three words that describe working there. That could give you an idea of your current state. You know, clump the words together, make it uh, make it something that is visual and, and tactical and, and definitely engage your teams to 
participate in shaping your culture. They are sometimes culture is attempted to be created in isolation at a board meeting or or somewhere that is not employee facing and that that is aspirational it may not uh it may not be the way things are on the ground so uh i guess for companies that are trying to bring people back to work you know really reaching out and connecting and understanding where they're at and getting their their sentiments about how they're feeling about the company and 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 how they can work together it doesn't have to be a push or pull or a battle but how can you find new opportunities to uh to innovate the work experience do you think that some of this could lead to maybe having the employees have too much say or some leaders feel like they're giving their employees more room to say no or to kind of revolt against coming back to the office or changing things or doing something that they don't want to do while I I do think it's important and I do feel studies have shown that employees are more likely to be more productive when they feel heard and they feel like their their employers care about them but in the same token some people could say like, okay, well, you know, it is my company and this is how I intend to con- conduct it. So it could get a little murky there sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. How do you kind of work or combat that when leaders might push back a little bit saying like, I feel like I'm giving them too much of a say, or I feel like, you know, I've pushed this out long enough. I think it's a fine line, but I'm sure you're dealing with this a little bit more than than the norm. I think it has to come back to your business strategy. If you are valuing employees, you want to keep employees, you have to engage your employees. The revolt, I would welcome an open revolt over turnover and people that quit at work, right? Quiet quitting that are just collecting a paycheck. If you want your employees uh, minds, you have to engage their hearts. And there is no, uh, there's no shortcut to that. It requires leading. It doesn't mean you're bending over backwards and being spineless and not not having business needs for the things that you do, but really making sure that you're uh, building a workplace at the workforce level, at the employee level, that people are wanting to gravitate to and stay for a while. That's uh, I was I was on a call earlier this week with a company that is. Um, maybe a little more established, bureaucratic. And one of the leaders had developed this magical place that was innovative and startup. It had six rules and it didn't, it hired its own HR department because it didn't like how this very established company had slowed things down and bogged innovation. So the rules were simple and people were were clamoring to get into this one section of this very big company because the leader had made a culture of kindness and caring Mm. and creativity and allowing people to fail. And so I think it comes back to your business uh, strategy and how you want to spend your time. There are plenty of companies that that don't want to do that. And that's totally fine. And their business strategies are going to look look very different. 
I like that. And, and it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, obviously people are going to gravitate to the leader that is making them feel good, but also in, in failure, you learn, right? And I feel like so many people don't want to fail. And so many people don't want to put in the hard work. And so many people don't, you know, they think that you get from A to B magically, you know, there's a whole bunch of in between that really gets us there. And I feel like sometimes people get to a certain level and forget about that. So I think that those are really great lessons and things to consider and keep in mind as we we move forward um, and look to build out a, a culture as well as build out a company and grow. I know you yeah. said you had some questions for me. Um, I Let's see. I, I had, uh, you know, I think there also, to your point, there's this perfect uh, perception of perfection yes. that that people want to either maintain or leaders sometimes try to lead with, which is not attractive to most people. So, um, well, it's not realistic, right? And it's not yeah. something that I feel can be uh, long term, you know, perfection is very temporary no matter what it's with or for because you're always going to have to perfect something else yeah yeah and guess what if you don't fail you're not growing you're almost like if you already know how to do it perfectly you're not really that far outside of your comfort zone like yeah. their comfort zone is uncomfortable outside of the comfort zone is uncomfortable and you're going to struggle and stumble and and you want to feel like that's like that's safe. Um, so questions for you. I would love to know, you know, as a small business owner, when I'm looking to partner with like digital marketing agency or get support in in this journey, like what how would you go about finding the right partner? What are your tips or how do you pick if you're going to be a good match for somebody or how can somebody pick a good match for a small business? So it depends on their goals and what assets they have, I would say, are, are two of the major things. So, you know, do they have creative already made? Do they need someone to be able to do that for them? Do they have marketing in place or somebody that's able to manage a small, you know, marketing team or um, can advise on what they're looking to do? And then do you have a strategy implemented? Do you know who your target audience is? A lot of times I say to a lot of partners, like, let us do, a, let us tell me what your, your problems are. And I can tell you if we have solutions for that, or if we have partners that can provide solutions for that. And then from there, I usually like to dig a little bit deeper into their setup, what they have running, what their goals are, how they've been measuring towards that, um, or do some type of an audit to really see behind the scenes and understanding you know, how they're set up and what performance has been like to be able to extract low hanging fruit on improvements and where we could add value right away. And then what we do from there is come up with a strategy and, and how to meet their target audience or, you know, what we would do to develop that audience if that's something that they need. But it's really the first step is about figuring out, do we have a solution for what they're their, they believe their need is, and then really drilling down on that, that need to understand the ins and outs of it and making sure that we can provide them with an, a cohesive um, outline of how we would attack that. 
Yeah. yeah, no, that's good. It's hard. And it's hard. Like as the small business owner, it's super hard to be that clear with a partner on what you, who you are, you know, you're, you're it constantly is. evolving. So it's, and sometimes, you know, when you're not in it, you don't really know, you know, um, I am a woman certified owned business. I've been trying to navigate that world as well. And some of those RFPs are very large, and they're like, okay, we need project management, we need analytics, we need media planning, we need strategy, we need PR, we need web development, you know, all of these things, which is great that you're able to identify this, but you're asking all of this from one company, which also makes me believe that you're not really sure of what you need and, and how you need it. Because, you know, finding one company that does all of that is also a little bit crazy. And they do let you partner with other companies. But my point being is that, you know, just because you have a marketing team doesn't necessarily mean that it's 100% knowing all encompassing of everything that, that that team is doing and that team actually needs. So sometimes, you know, bringing on support externally is helpful, whether that be an agency or a consultancy for all of your media or advertising or parts of it. Um, even, you know, coming in and, and, uh, as a consulting partner and, you know, being a second pair of eyes is always really helpful too. Yeah. yeah. It's so important. And yeah. And, and it's so important to do pretty well, right. To have a good presence and to understand how you're attracting customers and, and the beginnings of your sales funnel. So, and it's something that I'm still working on. So that question was for me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I do feel like, you know, it, it's something that we're always going to be working on, right. And it's something that I even continue to refine and, and figure out and, and try to hone in on what is my sweet spot and who can I help and where just to make the connection that much more meaningful and then make the partnership that, that much more valuable. But I mean, this has been really great. I've enjoyed our time. Thank you so much. I love to end things with two fun questions. So the first one is, what was your first job? My first job was a lifeguard. Oh. It was the best job I ever had. And I will say that back in the days when I was lifeguarding, people would wear sun, like banana boat, sun enhancer, and I would wear sunscreen and they made fun of me for wearing sunscreen. Well, I'd like to see them now. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm <laughs> sure they're regretting that decision now. And you were definitely ahead of the curve and, and smart for doing that. And our second question is, if you had to choose a different career, what would it be? Anything in the world, money doesn't matter, location doesn't matter, dream job. I would be a travel writer. I would be one of those people that they fly to their exotic resort to write about it. And I told you I took a year off. I um, was helping my dad and I decided I was going to travel with all of the people I loved, all my friends to wherever. And just during that year, that was going to be my goal was really to reconnect with everybody. and. So I started a travel blog. So it's buried in my website, but it's my favorite part. And I review my friends. It's my fake travel writing experience. So I review my <laughs> I review my friends. I'm like, okay, so I was traveling with Zoe and she ruins everything I love, but we had a good time in Australia, you know? And then I then I give reviews like of the places 
that we stayed and the, my favorite parts of the culture and um, That's my fun. favorite restaurants. I know it was so much fun. And then when the pandemic hit, you know, my last my last trip was to allegedly South by Southwest, but it was canceled. But we still went to Austin and and that's my last post. So maybe someday I'll go back to my fake travel writing career. But if anybody out there is looking for a, a travel writer, they should call me. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And it's nice that you got to get a little taste of it. Not many people get that. Uh, so that's really it was amazing. so fun. It was so much fun. And like I said, nobody I buried it in my website. It's under like the about me and it said I love to travel and there's like a little anonymous link and you can just click on it and there is all the pictures and just fun I'm stuff. I'm gonna go look so. for it. <laughs> you should. You can feel free to leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Thank you. And um, you know, where can our listeners find you if they're interested in, in reaching out, learning more, um, entering a story on your podcast? Uh, mm -hmm. Where can they find you? Uh, for business consulting stuff, uh, physicsatwork.com. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and if you're interested, if you've done anything wrong at work, I do collect workplace confessions. So uh, you can just go to physicsatwork.com slash podcast and click on the confession. You can just record it right from your phone so easily right there. Uh, it's anonymous. You don't have to leave your name and, uh, and it could be on the show. So uh, yeah, it's all there. That sounds great. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate your time. And please, everybody, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. Thank you so much and have a great day. You too. Thanks, Stephanie.